Welcome to studentofthebible.com. I'm your host, Renee, and I'm a Bible student. I'm glad you are, too. Thank you so much for joining. Pray for discernment and ask God to show you how you can share this information with others and be a blessing. Welcome to my new podcast series on heaven and the new earth. Hmm, you're probably familiar with the idea of heaven, but what is this new earth? Sounds kind of new agey, doesn't it? Is this even in the Bible? Well, the answer is yes, and we shall talk about it. This might shock you, but this idea of the new earth or Really, the coming together or merging of heaven and earth is what the Bible story is all about. But before I start, I want you to think about what you think you know about heaven. How do you envision heaven? What have you based this vision on? Books, movies, wishful thinking, or hopefully the Bible? What is heaven? Where is heaven? Who will be in heaven? Is heaven our final resting place? Do our bodies go to heaven or just our souls? Well, over the next few podcasts, we're going to dig into what the Bible says and what many theologians say about heaven. And we're going to take a look at our final destination, or as the author N.T. Wright puts it, the life after the life after death. Wow, that's a lot to cover. So let's get started. If you listen to my End Times podcast series, you learn that our focus as Christians should not be on when the end is coming, but on the fact that the end of all suffering is coming and that this will happen when Jesus returns to earth. God's greatest desire is for everyone on this planet to hear this good news that God so loved the world that he sent his only son so that he who believes in him will not die but have eternal life. If we want an end to all suffering, which I definitely do, if we want Jesus to return, which I definitely do, we should spend our earthly lives sharing this good news with as many people as possible. Christ will come again to earth, and death and suffering will be defeated. God wins, evil loses. Nothing we do is in vain. Don't hesitate to do something good and share this news just because you don't see immediate results. Maintain a heavenly perspective. Now, as we've been discussing, Satan seemed to have won a victory in the Garden of Eden, didn't he? Before man's rebellion, heaven was literally down here on earth with man. God and man were in partnership together, taking care of his perfect creation. But then, tempted by the evil one, Man decided to determine for himself good and bad. So heaven and earth became separate because of our sinful nature. God represents everything that is good and right and just. And when sin entered man, 
we became corrupt and unjust. And then we have Satan again working in the heart of Judas who betrayed Jesus and Jesus died at the cross. Now, if this was the end of the story, the Bible would have been a very sad, disappointing story. But this is not the end. The point of the biblical narrative is to point us to Jesus and to God's desire to reunite heaven and earth. The whole point of the Bible is to point us to the time when we're going to be reunited with God in a perfect partnership with him here on earth. Satan did not win. We are resurrection people. God turned Satan's victory into defeat. Jesus rose from the dead and therefore death no longer had to be a source of fear or dread because Christ overcame death. And one day, so will we. The law can no longer condemn us. We have hope beyond the grave. We are resurrection people. Remember what Paul told us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 55 through 57. Death, where's thy victory? O death, where is thy sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I just love how the Apostle Paul explains things. In this first letter to the people of Corinth, which I just quoted from, Paul talks about the importance of the resurrection and what it means to us. Our entire faith hangs on this important truth. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Our entire faith. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm going to summarize it for you. Paul talks about our bodily resurrection, and he clearly points out that if there's no resurrection, then what is this all for? Paul states plainly that if death is the end, then living for the moment would be all that matters. And of course, there are those who do this. But Christians need to know that there is life beyond the grave and that our life on earth is truly only a blink of an eye. It is to be our preparation for our eternal life. Now, during the time that Paul lived, his fellow Greeks didn't believe in bodily resurrection. They thought that the afterlife only affected the soul. They reasoned that the soul was the real person, sort of imprisoned in a body, and that when we die, the soul would be released and that there was no immortality for the body. Maybe you even perhaps thought this. This is incorrect theology. Paul reminds us that the Bible affirms that the body and the soul will be united after resurrection. As we said, Christ's resurrection is the center of our faith. Because Jesus rose from the dead, as he said that he would, we know that he's God. His word is true. Because he rose and defeated death, we know that as he told us, 
we too are going to be risen from the dead. Hmm. This brings us to an interesting thought. What will our resurrected bodies look like? If you could pick one, what would you ask for? Youth, beauty, brains, brawn. I don't know too many who would ask for plain, ordinary, scrawny, and dim-witted, right? <laughs> well, again, Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 35 through 54. Quote, But someone may ask, How are the dead raised? What kind of body will they come? How foolish! Oops, I guess we're not supposed to ask that question. He continues, What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of weed or something else. But God gives it a body, as he has determined. And to each kind of seed, he gives its own body. All flesh is not the same. Men of one kind of flesh, animals another. Birds another, fish another. There are also heavenly bodies, and there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind, and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, the stars another, and stars differ from stars in splendor. So it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It's raised imperishable. It's sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. It's raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It's raised a spiritual body. If there's a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written. The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, and I'm just going to tell you that's referring to Jesus, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that the spiritual. The first man was dust of the earth, the second man, Jesus, from heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the man from heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have been born the likeness of the earthly man, so shall we bear the likeness of the man from heaven. I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. And in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. Then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory." Unquote. And then Paul states in Philippians chapter 3, verses 17 through 21, "...and we eagerly await a Savior 
From there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body, unquote. Wow, that was a lot. So let's kind of deconstruct what Paul is saying. Our earthly bodies are perishable, right? We get sick, we get old, we die. And many of us will probably be turning in some pretty worn out bodies. Right now, our bodies are not perfect. We have limitations. All these limitations, the diseases, the defects, are temporary. Paul is saying in the above passage that we're all going to be given new bodies. Woohoo! When Christ returns to earth, we will get a fresh, clean, brand spanking new body. Paul also is saying that when this day comes, and remember, no one knows the day or the hour, no one except God. But when that day comes, Paul says, this is so interesting, some of us will still be alive here on earth. That's what he means by the phrase, we will not all be asleep. That means that some Christians will still be here on earth when Christ returns. And therefore, those lucky ducks won't have to die. But get this, this is so cool. They're going to be transformed immediately. Like one minute your back hurts and you're hunched over and the next minute you're doing backflips for Jesus. Paul explains the resurrection of our bodies. He, he kind of compares it to a garden. Did you catch that? He, he points out that when we plant seeds in the ground, they don't resemble the actual plant that comes forth from them. God gives the seed a new body. And so, metaphorically speaking, Paul says that that's what's going to be like for us with our new eternal bodies. Oh, so many questions. My first question, how will we be recognized if we have new bodies? I actually kind of stress about this. Well, I think the answer can be found in the story in the Gospels about the resurrected Jesus. Now, once Jesus rose from the dead, there was a time when people weren't immediately recognizing him, right? This always kind of seemed weird to me. Like, why don't you know who Jesus was? He's only been gone for three days. There was something familiar about him, but also something different, right? I did a lot of research on this, and I actually like the way a website, chicagobible.com, explains it. So, Listen to this and follow along. They say, The disciples did not immediately recognize Jesus after his resurrection. For example, Mary Magdalene mistook him for the gardener in John chapter 20, starting at verse 11. He appears to two of his disciples on the road to Emmaus, and they think he's just a fellow traveler. That's in Luke chapter 24, starting at verse 13. And then, he appears as a stranger on the shore of the Sea of Galilee to his own disciples. And that's John chapter 21, starting at verse 1. Now, in each of these cases, the disciples who saw the resurrected Jesus didn't recognize him by his physical features, but more by what he said and what he did. But then Jesus appears to Thomas with his wounds from the cross to prove 
to Thomas by sight that he's resurrected, and that's also in John chapter 20, verse 26. And the disciples were able to touch him, so that proved that he's not a ghost or some type of vision. It truly was Jesus in the flesh. And so this website goes on to say the disciples learned a few important lessons from these appearances of Jesus after the resurrection. First, by seeing Jesus, the disciples knew that he absolutely had been resurrected. Second, by seeing Jesus take sort of these different forms and materialize as different people, they knew this is no longer the man Jesus. This is now the spirit Jesus. And other scriptures show that Jesus is no longer an earthly man. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, he's referred to as, now the Lord is that spirit. And 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says, Jesus, a life-giving spirit. So after his resurrection, Jesus also demonstrated, and this is so cool, his ability to appear within a locked room among believers, John points that out in chapter 20, starting at verse 26, and then disappear right in front of them, Luke chapter 24, verse 31. This website goes on to say this further demonstrated that Jesus was no longer an earthly man, but with his resurrection, he was changed into a spiritual being, unquote. So Jesus, as a resurrected body, was now able to do more than he was before. I, I mean, he can still eat and drink, which is pretty exciting if you're someone who enjoys a good meal, but the resurrected Jesus also seems to defy our dimensions. He's not constrained the same way that we are by time and space. Is it possible our resurrected bodies will be similar in nature? Recognizable by some aspect of our nature, our personality, our individuality, but not exactly the same as before. And this time, our bodies are made for eternity. That's a pretty cool thought. So let's stop for a moment and return to our original question about heaven. Now, if our bodies are resurrected here on earth during Christ's second coming, well, what part of us goes to heaven? Well, as I said before, going to heaven is not the focus of the Bible. Heaven is not the final destination. Heaven is temporary, regardless of what people say at funerals, regardless of what people might think. I'm going to say that again because I think this may be new to some of you. Our final resting place is not heaven. But, <laughs> and here's some really great news, we don't have to wait in limbo either until the day of judgment. When we die, our souls immediately go to heaven to wait for Jesus' second coming. We're not just sleeping until the day of judgment. So how do we know this? Bible scholars turn to John's gospel in chapter 11 when Jesus comes to talk to Lazarus's sisters. Now, Lazarus is his really good friend who's been dead for four days. I actually talked about this miracle in my Miracles podcast. 
But I'm going to turn to a website called whataboutjesus.com. And they have a number of really good examples about heaven. So I'm going to quote from them. Jesus often talked about life going on into eternity. He didn't just mean that our loved ones who have died would live on in our memories. He literally meant they would live on forever. Look closely at this conversation between Jesus and Martha, the sister of Lazarus, who had just died. Your brother will rise again, Martha answered. I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Martha believed that her brother would rise on the last day of the earth's existence, which the Bible refers to as Judgment Day. Jesus further comforts her, though, by pointing out that Lazarus would not have to wait that long to experience the joys of eternal life. Whoever lives and believes in me will never die, they go on to say. Our soul goes to be with Christ immediately when we die. In that sense, we'll never die, even though our body remains here until Judgment Day. God's missionary, Paul, was in constant danger because of his bold confession about Jesus. He spent a lot of time in court and in prison. He found comfort in knowing that if he had to die for believing in Jesus, it would actually be a blessing. He said in Philippians 1.23, I desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is better by far. To depart and to be with Christ were simultaneous events. There's no allusion to a long period of time. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 7, and the dust returns to the ground it came from, and the soul returns to God who gave it, unquote. They continue. The clearest statement about immediately going to heaven comes when Jesus is on the cross next to another dying man. Then he, the criminal, said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus puts a time stamp on soul's trip to heaven with the word today. When Jesus gave his life on that very day, he paid for every sin and paved the path to heaven for everyone who puts their trust in him. When he rose from the dead three days later, he secured the promise he just made to that dying man. And to all of us, Jesus turned death from a curse into a blessing, a blessing that starts the moment we close our eyes for the last time, unquote. Let's review what we've learned so far. We've learned that our bodies will be resurrected just like Jesus' body was resurrected. We'll be the same yet somehow different. We will be somehow recognizable and yet renewed and without defect. It seems possibly that our bodies might defy the constraints of the current laws of science. We live in a three-dimensional world right now, but do you know that scientists believe there's at least 10 dimensions? Whoa, that's so cool. And we might then be able to defy the laws of physics. 
you might actually get your wish to be able to see the world without ever having to jump on a plane. We've also learned that when we die, we immediately go to heaven, but not in our bodies. It's our souls that enter heaven. And heaven is not the end game. Heaven is a temporary place until the time of the new creation, the new earth. The psalmist David, I love David, he had this to say in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In our next podcast, let's dig deeper into heaven and the new earth. We'll discover what the Bible says about this new creation. In the meantime, prayerfully remember that our focus needs to be on the new world that is to be born, not on our present birth pangs. Our focus needs to be on spreading the good news. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Have a blessed day.